0: From our 901 Mission Street Studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle.
1: One, two, check, test, one, two, check. One two check. One two. Steve Silver's Beach Blanket Babylon.
0: The first thing that I did when I got here was start making um, copies, head blocks, of each individual performer uh, with their hair prepped as they would wear it during the show. That way I could build a helmet over that that would be fit to them and to them alone.
1: Wow, so it's almost like the dentist taking a mold of your Yeah, it's it's
0: bespoke wigs. These are built for each individual performer.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm Annie Weinstein.
2: I'm Peter Hartlaub.
1: And I'm Lily Janik. From 901 Mission Street in San Francisco, this is the Datebook Podcast and the first episode of Babylon Gone. Speaking at the top of the episode was Tim Santry. A few weeks ago, I was sitting with him in Club Fugazi, Beach Blanket Babylon's longtime North Beach venue. Until a few months ago, Tim was the show's wig master.
0: One of the things about Babylon... There are no straps, no chin straps, because everybody has to sing. You go over mm. to, yeah, so you get over to uh, Las Vegas and you see the showgirls, those big, showy, beautiful hats. They've all got chin straps because they don't sing.
1: I really enjoy the shade we're throwing on Vegas showgirls here. Yeah. It's like you only, you know. Well, I mean,
0: and got to say it. I mean, they do a lot of work and the stuff that they're wearing is beautiful, but it's strapped on.
1: They're cheating.
0: Well, I I think we're the only group that doesn't have to do that. Babylon's the only place that doesn't.
3: If you don't know Beach Blanket Babylon, it's the world's longest-running musical review. It's come to be, for many, as much an important part of San Francisco as Cable Cars or Coit Tower.
1: The show follows Snow White as she searches for her Prince Charming, encountering along the way an absurd parade of pop parodies and spoofs of everyone from Barbara Streisand to Nicki Minaj to politicians on both sides, in an ever-evolving lineup that often changes nightly.
2: I found our first archived Beach Blanket Babylon story from 1974. The show was supposed to be on for two weeks. But then it just got bigger and bigger through the 70s and 80s, and it ran for 45 years. The show was a surprise even to Chronicle columnist Herb Kane, who said everything you hear about it is true, doubled and redoubled, a quote from Herb Kane in that 1974 column. And if you think I'm feeling humble because beach blanket Babylon goes bananas became the biggest hit in town without so much of a mention in this space, you are right.
3: But here's the thing. Come New Year's Day, the biggest hit in town will be no more. Beach Blanket Babylon is ending forever. Over the next three episodes of Babylon Gone, we're going to get into the heart of the beloved show, hear unforgettable stories, some of which include famous guests,
2: Sidney Poitier, Prince Charles, and Camilla.
3: And in our third episode, we'll bring back the Chronicles Question Man feature. We'll call it The Question, and explore what the closure means for the future of theater in San Francisco.
2: But first, we're going to hear from Tim Santry, our wig master, who during 15 years created the big hair, gigantic hats, and even more gigantic hats that made the show iconic.
3: Just to be clear, these aren't your run-of-the-mill type of wigs and hats. They're enormous, like nothing you've ever seen, like the one with a Christmas tree on top.
2: Wigs that are larger than the human being carrying them. 300 pounds with every major San Francisco landmark on top. Lily sat down with Tim at Club Fugazi. He's kind of typical of the folks we found there. Someone who was looking for a new family and found it in this madcap environment.
1: Tim is the fifth generation of a Central Valley farming family. He went from a childhood of beans, cotton, and cattle to doing wigs and makeup for a theater in San Francisco. Before I met him, I was sitting outside on the steps of Club Fugazi waiting for our interview, and he walked up, sat right down next to me, and started talking. That's the kind of person he is. Here's him on the first time he saw the show, and then a little bit about the day-to-day adventures of being a wig master.
0: I'd heard of Beach Blanket as a kid. Uh, well, young man, not a kid. Hell, I'm 60. so, uh, But I'd heard about it before I moved to the city in the 80s. Uh, just by people talking about this fantastic show uh, that was satirical and funny and uh, it was cabaret and it was somewhere in North Beach. I I just heard about it. And then while I was up here in school, I came to see the show and fell in love with it.
1: Yeah, what what do you remember from the first time you saw it?
0: I was blown away at the amount of talent that was wrapped up in one little show. 90 minutes of... Nonstop humor, laughing, great costumes, glitter. It it sparkled. It's, it's alive. Yeah, you know. And I just thought that would be a place to work if ever the opportunity happened. And, of course, I was at the time just working as a makeup artist. I thought that my talents wouldn't be here. Um, but then by the time I got through school, I, I pretty much figured I could do it. And the opportunity presented itself. You have what is it, 10 characters, and they're going to perform maybe 100 different characters in an evening, 10 actors, 100 characters, So, and most of them have a different wig.
1: How many different combs and brushes would you say there are in in the wig shop?
0: No stars. Um, (laughs) Handfuls. uh, But you find the tools that you like and you probably end up using maybe 10 different brushes. That uh, really suit all your needs.
1: Got it. Got it. So, and where is the wig shop?
0: It's downstairs in uh, Cyril's, which was a nightclub that uh, Steve Silver uh, created. One he started renting Club Fugazi.
1: So, so wait, downstairs here?
0: Uh huh. Right oh. below us.
1: Well, um, so what? What is the wig shop like? Like, what is it? What does it feel like in there? What's the vibe? What's Home. the smell?
0: Uh, <laughs> because you spend a lot of time there, and. Uh, When I got the job, I asked if I could build my own workspace, and they allowed me to. So I physically built all of the cabinetry and the shelves that I needed so that everything was right where I needed it to be. Here's a tour of the
2: wig shop from Beach Blanket Babylon's most tenured employee, John Camigliani. We'll hear a lot more from him in the next show. His tour is followed by our most cherished audio in the Babylon Gone Project, featuring the brushing and preparation of a beach blanket Babylon wig.
1: Can you uh, say where we're going
0: right now? Oh yeah, uh, we're on our way down to the basement, which is also known as Cyril's, which is named after Cyril Magnin. He was the uh, biggest fan of the show, and came to see the show over 500 times. He even had his own table and his own chair.
2: And now we're in the wig area, and here is a wig person.
3: We heard so many incredible stories in our conversations with the cast and crew. These are the kind of stories audience members in San Franciscans never got to hear.
2: I wasn't sure how much people would want to talk to us. I thought it was going to just be one Kleenex after the other.
1: I mean, these are human beings who are losing their jobs.
2: But I feel like we got all the best stories. For this next one from Tim, what you need to know is that there's really a code around these wigs. You know how Disneyland calls their actors cast members and they're never allowed to remove their mascot heads? It's like that. If a wig leaves beach blanket Babylon, it has to be dismantled into tiny pieces. You don't just walk out into the world with one, except evidently this time.
0: One time, I was walking down Hate Street and looked in a shop. And there was one of the wigs that was from out of the show. And I called the manager. I, I talked to them. I said, oh, that looks like a beach blanket Babylon wig. They said, yes, it is. I said, wow, how did you get so lucky to get that? They said, well, this person had it, and they just brought it in. And we bought it from them. I said, well, that's very fortunate. So I went and called the management and said that this is where the wig was. So they called them, and they got the wig back. And then we took it apart. So that was what happened. It actually had been thrown away at the dump, but it hadn't been taken apart. And somebody found it and thought that they could sell it. And, that's, and so it ended up back in town.
1: Did you feel like betrayed seeing that in a window?
0: Um, well, off put, anyway. Uh, betrayed, yeah. Well, it's like it, it was just really odd to see and it didn't have felt so out of place. So let's set the
2: scene, Lily. We had biked over separately to Club Fugazi several hours before the show when it was basically empty.
1: I loved walking in and smelling the smell. I don't mean like it was a bad smell, but there was a musk. A historical lived-in aroma from chairs that have been sat in and sat in and sat in. Fabrics and carpets that have absorbed audiences from all over the world. You felt like if you listened hard enough, you might be able to hear an echo of a past performer singing an old refrain. Over the course of our talks, an interviewee might gesture at a regular patron's favorite seat, and you might feel a little shiver. Their shadows seem to reappear, maybe, for just an
2: instant. It's a special theater in the heart of North Beach, where it still feels like a San Francisco neighborhood from an era before ride-sharing and social media, like a rotary telephone era.
3: And if you're walking by, you could almost miss the venue— except for the fact that it's on a block of Green Street called Beach Blanket Babylon Boulevard.
1: I've certainly walked by it before and never noticed it was there. The street is all residential, all Edwardian apartment buildings, a couple cafes, a funeral home, and then all of a sudden there are these columns announcing the venue with the handprints of Cyril Magnan, who saw the show more than 500 times on the sidewalk.
2: And
3: And the wigmaster Tim, he's just one character in this whole world. I just kept thinking about how this whole operation, a universe of San Francisco within the city itself, is going to expire in a matter of weeks.
1: All these carefully laid out costumes backstage, character labels in just the right spot on the stairway, three tracks taped out on the floor backstage so no one in a giant hat collides with anyone else in a giant hat. When that's all gone, what's left?
0: I love this job. Like I, I've told people before, this was playing. I, I came to play class. I come to get to build stuff in my shop. Um, it was creative. I worked with wonderful folks. I just, I loved being here. So to hear it close when I was in my heart of hearts, I wanted to retire from here in 15 years yeah. because I don't want to stop working until I have to. Yeah. And uh, was it a possibility? Yeah, it's theater. And in theater, the possibility is always there that it's going to close. You've got to know that in your mind. It's like any business, I guess. But theater more so than others. Um, things tend to have a shelf life. This seemed to beat that. 45 years is the longest running consecu- or consecutive running show in the world. That's got to say something that it's working. In the houses, were still good. We're not being... Taken out of business because we're not making the money. It's just that it's time for it to go. Wisdom
2: from Tim Santry. By the end of his interview with you, I felt like we were the ones losing our jobs and he was consoling us.
3: It felt like the kind of aching hope that you don't always feel in conversations about art in the Bay Area.
2: This is my favorite part coming up.
1: What do you think of the San Francisco th- that doesn't have a beach blanket? So like when we all oh, wake up on yeah. you know, January 1st after that wild party on New Year's Eve um, and there isn't a show anymore, like what is that that city?
0: Well, I'll have a gleam in my eye and say, sorry, you missed it. Um, and... San Francisco's resilient, so it'll come up with something. It won't be this. Uh, But, you know, we've got the new Chase Center. You know, things are changing and happening. So, um, the city will always have something coming and going. Um, It it won't be this dream. This is a gem. This is a a diamond. Yeah, it's going to be gone. And I felt sorry for anybody who's never had the chance to see it because just, it's just magical. Good theater. Cheap prices. You couldn't beat it. And, you know, and it's in North Beach. What a great place to be. Great place to work. Come, this is, you, you come to North Beach to go to work. Wow. Not an office building someplace. This sometimes happens in
2: journalism. The interview's winding down and you've asked all the questions you wanted to ask. You're feeling pretty good.
1: And then there's a magical little pause when everyone's mind is still reeling. And you don't really want to call the interview over yet, but you could.
2: And suddenly, in this cinematic moment out of nowhere, you get the best line of the day.
1: Anything that... That these questions have dredged up in your mind that you want to add that, like, I that we didn't get to.
0: No, but if you're out there and you're listening and you're thinking, it it is a shame that Beach Blanket is closing and you've got an artistic sense, create something, make a new miracle, bring something back.
2: The Datebook Podcast is produced by Peter Hartlob, Lily Janik, and Annie Weinstein. Supervising producers are King Kaufman, Kitty Morgan, and Tim O'Rourke. Our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Music is courtesy Beach Blanket Babylon. And we also played Shades of Spring by Kevin MacLeod, Searching for the Missing Piece by Sir Cubworth. And Cable Car Bell Ringing came from eight-time San Francisco cable car bell ringing champion Byron Cobb. If you enjoyed this podcast, support our work and subscribe to The Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com where you can read more Beach Blanket Babylon stories and columns.